Running a business requires an abundant amount of skills that few of us were ever taught. So we're basically left to learn them the hard way, which is why I'm partnering with Honor Your Ambition to bring you the 12-week mastermind for women who are running a business, starting a business, or just want to grow their business acumen. This mastermind will be a crash course in all the things we need to know about business, plus the added opportunity to exchange ideas, learn from, give to, and network with other women who are up to big things professionally. To learn more about the Honor Your Ambition Mastermind, visit honoryourambition.com and then register yourself because the best investment you can ever make is in your own growth and development. To join us now because the space is limited and I cannot wait to see you there. I often ask myself and occasionally ask out loud, why can't it be my job to travel the world and stay in awesome hotels while eating great food, drinking wine, immersing myself in new cultures while having my home base be on a gorgeous vineyard in Tuscany? One might say that the movie Under the Tuscan Sun may have provided a little bit too much inspiration for me. But we're supposed to follow our passions and use our strengths, talents, and unique abilities, right? And I just know I would excel at the highest levels under that job description. Does that life really exist? Is it as utopic as it sounds? I am Nicole Khalil, and I think most of us would agree that that definition of woman's work sounds pretty darn attractive. So I've invited Mary Shea to join me today for a totally selfish reason, because she might be one of the only people on the planet that I'd consider trading lives with. Listen to her story. After getting her degree in journalism from NYU, she held a couple positions before landing in Napa, California, where she met her now husband, an Italian vintner. She's lived in New York, Boston, California, Germany, and now lives in Tuscany, where she continues to travel extensively, of course, when not in a global pandemic, but comes home to her husband and her family-owned vineyard in Chianti or her Florentine home. She has spent many years working at the top end of the wine business while also curating her own custom travel design business. Jealousy is not an emotion I feel often, but Mary, I have to say that I do envy you a little. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here so that I can live vicariously through you for 30-ish minutes while other people listen in. Oh my goodness. Well, you were, you were very welcome, but you'll laugh. I actually, I think I saw Under the Tuscan Sun after I moved here. And did you like look at it and go, wow, I'm kind of living that? Or was it, I mean, I don't know. I just, that movie burned a little bit too much into my brain about what, you know, my dream life might look like. You're certainly not the only one. So yeah. I, funny, I get that. Everybody always kind of uh, asks me, or I was like, oh my God, you must be, you know, feel like you're living that that movie um, and kind of that feeling of being under the Tuscan sun and uh, it it is amazing and, and I feel incredibly fortunate for the life that I lead and the type of work that I get to do and the experiences but it, it is it's you know it's like everything it's also it is a lot of it's a lot of hard work um, it's you know we're a small family run estate 
we tend to wear a lot of different hats around here. So there's a lot of things that I'm doing now that I, you know, I probably never would have imagined uh, that I would be doing before. I'd say feeding cashmere goats on my Saturday and Sunday morning uh, is definitely not something I imagined doing before. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't on the original bucket list. I'm so glad that you said that, Mary, because that was going to be my first question. Because I know things are rarely as perfect as they sound or they might look on paper. So you've already done this, but tell us a little bit more about what you love, but also some of the challenges and obstacles. And, and, and like you just said, some things that come along with the package that people might not know or hear about. I would say it's just the type of experiences that we get to share with everybody. Um, and the amazing thing is it's not just, you know, when people come and visit the winery or stay in our vacation apartments. It's also, I think, just, you know, the experience we give people when they open up a bottle of our wine, when they're sitting at home. You know, we've started, obviously, I mean, the past year and a half has been very difficult for everybody. We haven't been able to welcome guests back here and meet people in person and kind of maintain those connections um, in a more personal way, that way, at least in person. But, um, you know, we've started to do live videos to kind of stay connected with people. And, and I have to say, that's one of the most satisfying parts of, of the job um, is, is just that kind of sharing Italian culture, sharing our wines, um, giving people a little bit of a reprieve from their day-to-day -day life, let them escape a little bit um, and share our beautiful product and also introduce them to the wonderful world of Italian winemaking, which is something that I love. But it's also, I mean, the challenges, I'd say the Italian wine world, especially where we are, we're in the County Classico, which is actually, it's one of the oldest wine growing regions in the world. There's also a lot of wineries here. So there is a lot of competition. Um, so that, that can be challenging to kind of find your, find your niche um, in, in the wine world, um, which I think we've done, you know, really, I think a very good job of it. Uh, we're a certified organic winery. Uh, we try to go in and produce really elegant, organic, honest wines um, for people. Um, but it's, uh, it is, you know, it's still challenging. Also, I mean, I have to say one thing that has really impressed me since I've moved here, and it's one thing you have absolutely no control over is uh, mother nature. Um, and I think that's one thing that people don't really, you know, don't really think about necessarily. Um, but I mean, our, I mean, my, my husband actually kind of, he, he jokes around about it sometimes. He's like, our silent partner is, is mother nature. Um, because so much of what we do really depends on that. Um, so that's, that's challenging. Um, I would say, I'm just trying to think like day-to-day -day life. I mean, it's, it's my husband's family's business. Um, so also de dealing with kind of family, family dynamics. Sure. Like the normal in-law challenges, plus you're in business, right? With the family. Yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. Um, because I mean, I, you, you mentioned it, my background is in marketing uh, and communications. So I worked, you know, mainly for ad agencies and kind of an office environment. Um, where things were very, you know, very buttoned up uh, and you, you know, you walked in your day, you had your plan uh, and you had your very, you know, kind of like tight schedule, working late hours. Um, I still work really late hours, um, but it's uh, trying, it's so funny, trying to like schedule a meeting with my husband's family is like almost like impossible. They're like, why do we have to put it on the calendar? <laughs> I can plan my day around it. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love that. Yeah. Th that there's so many good things in there. And, and, and I would imagine too, 
especially in the last year, while wine consumption has definitely gone up, the travel side of your business probably has faced some challenges. Is that true? Very much so. Very much so. Um, I mean, the wine side, we actually are online sales. We did exceptionally well with this year. I have to say our online sales honestly really helped keep us afloat this year. So, so that was, that was really impactful um, and important for us. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, we, we typically like, as an example, um, I think it was probably like 2019 in September, like just as an example, cause that's a busy time of the year here. We could see eight or 900 people um, in the month. And that's not, I don't think that's not just staying at the agriturismo in our vacation apartments. There's also people coming for tours and tastings. Um, and that side of the business over the past year and a half has honestly almost been like completely wiped out because most of the clients who come to us or the people who come to us for tours and tastings, I have to say are mainly Americans. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so we don't really see a lot of Italians coming to do wine tastings. I mean, occasionally maybe some Europeans, but, but it's the majority are Americans. So that side of our, of our business was, was really impacted over the past year and a half. During the summer, at least last year, they did open things up to European travel. So we did have European guests and we probably actually had some more and more Italian guests staying in our vacation apartments. Um, but, but it was definitely you know, a, a slightly different season for us. So that brings me to the question about the winemaking process, because I know it takes me about a couple hours to drink it, depending on the day, it could be half an hour if it's been a really bad one, but um, you know, I, I, so much more time, energy, risk, all of that goes into making it, I, I would assume. Can you just give us a little bit of an overview of all the work that goes into the one bottle of wine we consume and enjoy? And on that note, um, Jay and I opened a, a bottle of the Laura Chianti Classico from your vineyard a, a couple nights ago. And oh my gosh, it was the highlight of my day. But anyways, tell me how I get to enjoy something so lovely based on all the work that you do. Excellent. Well, first, I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed the Laura. That's actually, that's my mother-in-law's name. So my husband dedicated that wine to his mom. Uh, and it was the first wine that my husband began producing in 1998. Um, so I think, uh, I think he was under strict um, kind of rules to, to call it Laura. <laughs> you weren't part of that vote yet, right? <laughs> no, I, I came on and I would have fully supported naming it Laura also. Yeah. But, um, but just, you know, as an example, I mean, the Laura County Classico, I mean, it was the first wine produced, um, you know, usually just general winemaking and like, let's say you're, you're planting a new vineyard. It usually takes at least, you know, like three or four years um, for those vines to be able to actually produce wine. It actually takes a few more years to really produce good quality wine. My husband, when he started produ uh, producing wine in 1998, there were actually some older vines on the estate kind of still, still here. Um, so he could leverage those for the first few vintages. Um, but our, our Laura, typically it's a wine that, you know, we'll harvest in the fall um, and we handpick, we handpick everything. Um, all of our wines are what you call a state wine. So they're all produced from vineyards that we have right here on the property. So we'll do the harvest. Um, then usually we age the wine for at least, I don't know, 12 months. Uh, the Laura is 12 months in oak and then usually about two or three months in the bottle. But some of our top wines were aging for, you know, 18 months in oak and maybe a year in the bottle. Our top, top wine is actually 20 months of aging in oak and then about a year in the bottle. 
Um, so, I mean, our, our top line, obviously, I mean, it's, it's not just, you know, kind of the cost, it's also the time that you're investing to, to produce that wine. Um, so that wine, you know, if you opened it up in comparison to Laura, it's going to be a little, it's going to be more full-bodied. It's going to be a little bit more elegant, and it's also going to be a wine that has more aging potential. So you could actually hold on to it for, you know, ten, uh, if not fifteen years. Um, where the Laura, the wine that you had, is kind of more of a, I would say, more of like a medium-bodied style, really kind of more easygoing Chianti Classico wine. Um, you probably want to drink something like that within the first four to five years. Um, but you could actually, I mean, our Laura, oddly enough, does have some aging potential, but kind of, I would say it's better to drink it within four to five years, but, um, but there's, yeah, there's a lot of time and effort. And also I would say a lot of care goes into maintaining our vineyards. Um, my husband always says that great wine, I mean, it's a more commonly known saying in the wine world, actually, that great wine starts in the vineyard. Um, so that's really where a lot of our, our kind of time and effort and care goes. So I have a couple follow-up questions. One of them being, and, and I don't know if other people have experienced this, I just know I did, is um, wine and wine tasting and wine ordering can sometimes feel a little bit unapproachable, uh, a little bit snooty, you know, like, gosh, it's kind of like art for me. Like, I know what I like when I drink it. I know what I like when I see it, but I don't know anything about art and I don't know anything about wine. Um, do you have any tips or um, just some things that might be helpful for those of us who, who want to look a little bit like we know what we're doing or just tips in finding the wine we might really like. Yeah, I would say for me, like even, even now after working in the wine world for, you know, for many, many years now, I still, if I go to a restaurant, I'm, I'm, I'm looking to the sommelier a lot of times um, for, for guidance um, and whatnot. And you know, I think you you shouldn't be afraid to kind of say what your preference is. I would say you actually probably represent most wine drinkers um, or most of the wine drinkers that I kind of like, you know, come across when I'm doing tastings here is that they have an idea of the type of wine, perhaps, or I don't know, like kind of flavors or whatnot. Um, it's really hard to articulate those sometimes. Sure. Um, and, and a sommelier ideally can kind of pull that out of you in a way to kind of figure out what's going to be the best wine for, and also kind of, you know, like what you're eating. Um, and, and my hope is that the sommelier makes it feel more approachable, but I do, I do think a lot of people, you feel a little intimidated, um, by, by a wine list. Um, but, but I think that, you know, a sommelier ideally should kind of guide you, um, gently <laughs> in the right direction. Um, and also like if you're drinking, you know, if you're drinking wine at home or going to a wine shop, I mean, I, I mean, I still rely on the person, you know, in the shop to kind of give me recommendations. Um, and also, I mean, I think, you know, not being afraid to, to mention what your, what your price point is, um, because that'll also, you know, narrow down things, um, you know, quite, quite a bit. Um, but, but my goal, honestly, with what I do and the way that I interact with, you know, with people during wine tastings or, you know, like live Zoom tastings, um, or even like our live videos is to try to make wine as accessible, you know, as possible. Um, because I think that's kind of like, that's actually one of the things I think is the beauty of the Italian wine world is that I actually think it feels more accessible because you can actually really drink beautiful wines and you don't have to invest, you know, like a ton of money. Um, and I don't think that's, I don't think that's, you know, you could say that about all wine growing areas or wine growing countries. Um, I mean, France, the wines, you know, tend to be, you know, pretty, pretty expensive. I mean, I lived in Napa for two years. 
Um, and I have to say, I struggled a bit with the price points there because the wines are really expensive. Mm -hmm. um, whereas I feel like the beauty of the Italian wine world is that, I mean, you could get, I mean, Arbora as an example, it probably retails in a shop for anywhere between 20 to $25. It's a certified organic wine produced with a state grown fruit. Um, a lot of care went into it and it's a beautiful wine. Yeah. So it's funny that you say that because that jives with my experience. When I've been in Italy and you, you know, just go to this random tiny little restaurant that you happen to walk by and you order their table wine. I'm like, this is so good. Uh, I would, wouldn't go as far as to say there's no bad Italian wine, but it's pretty close. It feels like you can just get great wine all the time. Whereas, yeah, I mean, I, I am more familiar or comfortable with Napa wines just because I grew up in California. And so as soon as I was old enough to afford forward it, you know, we would do a lot of girls trips or Jay and I would take trips up there. So I just, I feel more comfortable, but some of the wines are just outrageous. You're like, I could buy a purse for that. That's <laughs> crazy. Um, you buy like a case of beautiful Italian wine for like the same price of, you know, some, some Napa wines. And, and I have to say, I think Napa wines also, and U.S. wines in, in general, it's also a little different because of the labeling. This is going to say, this is more of like a logistical practical thing. The labeling is different. So you'll notice on Napa wines, it just clearly says if it's a Merlot or if it's a Cabernet Sauvignon, you're going to see that, you know, really clearly. Whereas Italian wine labeling, the system here is completely different. So like our, like, you know, we're in the County Classico, you're going to see, you know, many, like, a lot of the producers in this area, you might only see like, you know, Chianti Classico on the wine label. They'll have a brief, brief description on the back. It may not say anywhere what grape variety is actually in that wine. So you need to know that a Chianti Classico has to have at least like 80% Sangiovese grapes in there. And then the remaining 20% can be, you know, a mix of various other grape, uh, red grape varieties but you kind of had to have done your homework or yeah. know that ahead of time. So I think that's why some, you know, that's on the, the flip side of the Italian wine world. Um, that's where I think some people might feel a little bit intimidated or overwhelmed because they're not quite sure what's in the bottle necessarily, um, unless they obviously, you know, they've done research ahead of time or maybe they've asked the sommelier or they've asked the person in the wine shop. Whereas in California, it's a heck of a lot easier. Yeah. My last question on this, and then I'm going to ask probably a more important question. I've heard mixed things. When you go to a wine tasting, is it acceptable to dump your wine if you don't like it? Or is that offensive? I think you should always feel comfortable uh, to, to dump your wine or not finish, you know, what you have in a glass. Um, that's, I mean, that's why they put the little, I mean, they put the little bucket there also for if, in case you don't want to, you don't want to drink, you know, drink too much or whatnot. <clears throat> um, but I think it's totally acceptable. And I also think it's, I mean, everybody's palate is different. So, you know, you're not gonna, you're not gonna love, you know, like every wine um, or whatnot. Um, and it's actually, I mean, for us, I find it helpful when, you know, if somebody maybe has some, you know, some feedback on the wines or if they, they dump it or I can kind of ask and be like, oh, you know, kind of get their opinion and maybe look, you know, why they, why they didn't like the wine or perhaps why it wasn't their style. So I think you should always feel free, feel free to do that because the wine world and, and it is, it's so, it's so subjective. Everybody's palates are completely different. Uh, so never, never hesitate, hesitate to do that. It is, it is surely in my book, not poor form. Great. So you mentioned earlier that you are 
growing wines in one of the oldest regions on the planet and, and that it's highly competitive in your area. Um, what makes Quarchetto unique? How do you sort of separate yourself from everybody else? And, and, and I think this, I mean, this question is definitely about wines, but I, I, I want the listeners to be thinking about, you know, how we begin to separate ourselves from our competition and thinking about what, uh, what makes us different, new, attractive. Um, so back to the wines, what makes Quarchetto unique? I would say it's a combination of things. So it's not just, just one. Um, I mean, we're obviously, I mean, we're a certified organic estate, which means that we go and we try to produce wines with as little intervention as, as possible. And we also try to produce wines where you're really gonna taste the natural flavor of our grape varieties. Um, so we're not, you know, kind of like using, using a lot of oak um, on our wines. Um, we're not I mean, kind of like over manipulating the wines during, during the winemaking process. Uh, we really want to let mother nature kind of do do her thing um, and we're we're fortunate because we have a really great position for for the vines so we have great sun exposure we have really high elevation we have great soil composition so it actually you know in in a good year or even in like average years we're still producing really beautiful beautiful quality grapes and and our wines are just i think they're really drinkable they're really elegant i always also like to refer to them as being you know very honest wines um, and they taste, I mean, I think if you tasted a Corchetto di Castellina Chianti Classico versus a Chianti Classico, you know, coming from another winery, our wines have a very distinct kind of characteristic to them. Um, but I also do have to say it's really interesting because we have a wine club and uh, our wine club members, and I have to say they're mainly Americans, uh, but these are people who love wines. They've traveled to, you know, a lot of different wine growing areas all over the world. Um, and one of the things that actually one of our wine club members said on one of our Zoom tastings recently was, he's like, you know what? He's like, there's so many great producers. I mean, there's great wineries. There's great wines being produced all over the world. He's like, one of the things or, or the, you know, the thing that we love about you guys is that you produce great wines, but you also make us feel like family. And it was like that personal relationship and personal connection that we have with our clients that I think actually makes a really, a really significant difference. So, I mean, my, my, our wine club members, when they're coming and traveling to Italy, we're like the first people that they reach out to, whether it's to stay in our vacation apartments or to book a tour and tasting with us. And that's something that I just, I think is, is a big differentiator for us. So you obviously have to, you know, produce, you know, good quality wines, but I also think it's that personal touch that makes a big difference. I love that because it's true with wines and other, other types of businesses as well. So um, I want to kind of switch gears away from the winemaking and talk just briefly about your travel business. I, I know you uh, had shared with me that you are really good at finding some of the off the beaten path, uh, you know, not the most touristy places you can go. Uh, and helping people find that. Do you have any tips for us if we want to find the off the beaten path, places to stay, places to go? How do, obviously working with somebody in travel is helpful, but what are some ideas? Having a really knowledgeable resource um, who has, I think local, has local connections um, and can give you really kind of like can plan more unique immersive experiences that are highly tailored to you and your tastes and your preferences um, because not everybody likes to travel the same way so like not every recommendation is going to work for is going to work for everybody 
Um, so I think that's, you know, one of the nice things about working with, you know, somebody, a travel planner who does custom trips, which is actually, I mean, that's my, my focus um, for, for my business. And, uh, because you're getting recommendations that are, you know, totally tailored, totally tailored to you, um, you know, based on that person's, you know, kind of like insider, insider knowledge um, of that destination. That's such an important point. I remember a friend, a close friend telling me they hated Rome. And so the first time I went to Italy, I, I sort of like bypassed it, which is crazy. Other than I went to a couple touristy things, but I, I kind of whipped through. And I, you know, now in hindsight, her and I were are, are such totally different people. And what she didn't like about Rome are the things that I love. And so it's not just as simple as asking a friend who's been or somebody you know where to go or whatever. It's asking those literal, littler, smaller questions like, you know, how do you like to travel? Do you like to do the touristy things? Do you not? What kind of food are you looking for? What what makes a great place to stay for you, right? And and all this conversation too is really giving me the travel bug times 10. So my last question is how can you smuggle me into your country? <laughs> oh my goodness. I think I might need to tell you that offline. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I get it. All right. Um, so if you're listening and want to learn more about Corchetto wines, you can visit the website. It's Corchetto di Castellina, Castellina, right? Um, you say it, you're going to say it better oh, than I do. It's Corchetto di Castellina. Thank you. Um, so let me spell it. It's Q-U-E-R-C-E-T-O-D-I-C-A-S-T-E-L-L-I-N-A. Com. Um, and you can you know, check out their wines, uh, check out the wine club. And then Mary, will you just tell us quickly about the wine club and, and a little bit about your travel business if people want to start booking as, as soon as humanly possible that we can travel? So our, our wine club, we do, I mean, we do have information up on our, on our website um, and our wine club, it actually, it functions a little bit more like, um, I think kind of like a California wine club where you basically you get set shipments per year. You get a discount on the wines, you get a discount on stays at the Agriturismo, free tastings. Uh, we also, with every shipment, we're now doing um, private wine club Zoom tastings. So there's that. Um, and you can also always email me directly at mary at corchetto.com if you want more information. Um, and with my travel business, I'm actually I'm in the process of launching that. So the website will be up probably within, I'd say, about a month or so. Um, right. So people at the moment can uh, email me at, because I'm actually I'm affiliated with a travel agency based in the U.S. called Departure Lounge. So people can always just email me at mshay at Departure Lounge to start. Okay. Um, and we'll add the website for your travel business into our show notes when we release the podcast. So we'll put that there as well. You can also check out Corchetto on Instagram, um, same as the website. So Corchetto di Castellina. Uh, you can follow them and the pictures are lovely and you're going to want to get on a plane immediately. Uh, Mary, thank you so much for your time and for indulging my love of your life. <laughs> uh, I so appreciate our time together. Oh, thank you for having me. And uh, when you do, when you can finally come over to, to Italy, uh, it'll be great to enjoy some glasses of wine out on our terrace together. I cannot wait. We will be there as soon as humanly possible. Okay. I have two thoughts to close us out. First, nobody has a perfect life, not one single person. 
So when you meet people that are living your dream or see someone on social media, remember it's not as perfect as it seems. And if you're feeling that big grain monster, it means there's a desire inside of you that's being triggered or activated. Which brings me to my second thought, chase your dreams. Be open to possibilities, explore, go new places, meet new people, experience differences, and what brings us all together. Find joy in the life you're living and take just one step closer to something that lights you up from the inside. This is Woman's Work.